Let's, uh, let us pray. Holy One, you are the source of everything. From the beginning of creation, big bang, flinging stars from one end of the universe to the other, we give you praise for your mighty acts in creation. And yet, O oh Lord, you tell us that you are the God of small things. You are the God of slow-moving mercy, justice, and peace. You are the God, the person-to-person -person God, who comes to us as a person. We pray that your awesome creation is not all that we see, but we are able to see your small acts of mercy and grace in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week we continue through Mark's story of Jesus. Jesus and co. find themselves inside the Jerusalem temple, the beating heart of his people's religious life. I mean, you can think of those beautiful photos of Mecca or the Vatican to get an idea of what's going on here. Huge crowds, festival season. And they're inside the temple and they're hanging out across the way from the temple treasury. Basically the place, like I said earlier, where the collection box is, where they take donations. Crowds gather here to make their offering, and they do it quite publicly. Many rich people, it says, are putting in large sums. I like to imagine, you know, a guy with a fancy toga holding up like a novelty-sized check, snapping smiling photos with the temple priest, before, you know, folding the giant check into a little square and then putting it in the slot. You can imagine reporters, you can imagine local dignitaries. For the wealthy, this is a big deal. It's an act of public generosity and personal prestige. And while all of this is happening, a poor widow, it says, a poor widow makes her way up to the collection box. A widow, meaning that she lives way below the poverty line. Got to work to make a living. Got to be a man to work or have a man to work for you. So she can't. She has to scrape together a living for herself and possibly her children. She likely has children. All she has to give are a couple copper coins and she drops the two of them inside with a clink. And of course, while the cameras are focused elsewhere, they completely miss this woman's giving, which is completely understandable, isn't it? Besides, a couple coins or pennies are hardly news, let alone front page news. It's not enough to get you a tax receipt. It's certainly not much, even in the standards of the time. It was like 1 64th of a day's wage. It's like nothing, still nothing. So it's just a drop in the treasury compared to the buckets full that others bring. It's not really worth noticing. But the thing is, you'll notice that Jesus notices. Jesus sees what's going on. In the midst of all the other pomp 
and circumstance, Jesus notices this nobody and her puny gift. And after this whole scene plays out, Jesus tells his followers that this poor widow gave more than, to the collection than all the others put together. Her gift, according to Jesus, is worth more, he says, because all of them contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. Now, most times this text is preached, the message is the perfect kind of message for Stewardship Month, which is this month, believe it or not. The preacher Gary Charles calls this story the preacher's ploy, a perfect way to hit the church's budget goals through strategic manipulation. The preacher swoops down for the kill, he says. Yes, says the preacher. The wealthy give a lot, but they also give out of what they've got left over. The widow gives it all. Dare you give any less? Basically, the message of this preacher's ploy is that the widow managed to empty the 10 bucks in her bank account, so the least the rest of you selfish people can do is sign up for the monthly automatic withdrawal system. Now, as much as I would like to go swimming one day in a pool full of gold in the church's bank account, Scrooge McDuck style, through the sheer power of guilt, as much as I'd like to hold up generosity as a virtue, which it is, the truth that this is that this story isn't just about money. So you can, you know, breathe more deeply if you were worried about that. The story is about who and what Jesus sees that no one else can see. While everyone else is focused on the great public display, displays of the wealthy and famous, Jesus' eyes are drawn to this poor widow, this nobody. Like I said, widows in the Bible are right at the lowest rung of society's ladder. The widow comes in under the radar. Her gift is almost microscopic. It goes unnoticed, unseen. And to the world, her life is irrelevant, and this act is virtually nothing in the big picture of things. But it's a genuine act of giving. One that matters more is worth more than all the rest combined. So even though no one else sees, Jesus sees. He sees it, and he not only calls it good, he pronounces it great. Because in Jesus' eyes, her small act of giving, what little she had, is more important than all the gala fundraisers in the world. The story isn't just about money. It's not just about generosity. This story is about the kind of people who make a difference in God's sight and the kinds of things that God counts as significant. And the truth is that here, the widow actually reminds us of Jesus. Her life points 
towards Jesus and the very nature of God. Jesus was born to an unwed teenage mother in a feeding trough, in a slum, the backwoods of the empire. Jesus, a homeless, wandering rabbi, one who simply reached out and touched those who were hurting, fed those who were hungry, spoke truth when it was needed to be spoken, and gave of himself in a thousand small ways. Jesus who never held office. Jesus who never had any money. Jesus who never made much of himself in the world's sight. Jesus who was left by all of his friends when the going got tough. Jesus who gave away all power, influence, and prestige and was nailed on a cross between two nameless thieves as just another useless criminal. Jesus, unnoticed and unseen, whose life was so tiny and insignificant that even his miracles were small. I mean, he never made the Eiffel Tower disappear or anything like that. And Mark says that the life of Jesus is the most significant life in human history, this insignificant life. And you know, from an objective perspective, it turns out Mark was right. The widow in her insignificance and the power of her giving reminds us of Jesus. She points to Jesus, and in the light of Jesus' life, this widow's life that seems so insignificant to the world is of eternal significance to God. Because the truth is that we're always chasing the wrong things and looking in the wrong places for what we need. We all want to live lives of importance and significance. Respected, important, and if we're lucky, pockets full of cash. Or in jobs where people will finally respect us and give us our due. And nice houses filled with stuff where we can feel safe from all the bad things in the world. Standing with the wealthy, placing great sums in the temple where we can be seen. Where we can finally get the credit we deserve. But according to this scripture passage, God, ultimate purpose, meaning, love, is to be found in the people, actions, and places we find the least significant. God's to be found in everyday movements and small mercies among the people we'd least expect. And I don't mean like paying it forward and buying the next person in line their coffee at Tim Hortons. That's a nice thing. But it's not a gospel thing. I'm talking about those moments where, like the widow, we're able to give ourselves entirely over to each other in ways that go unnoticed. When we not only feed someone who's hungry, but when we sacrifice the time to sit and eat with them and get to know them. When we not only toss a few coins at someone in the street, but when we befriend someone 
who everyone else sees as unlovable. When we forgive someone who's caused us harm, we lay hands on and pray for them and even let let them pray for us. When we take time out of our days, putting putting all the other important things aside to visit people who are sick, when we don't just post about social justice on social media, but get ourselves in the thick of other people's lives. And even the small act today of worship, when we sacrifice a sleep-in and Sunday sports for a measly couple of hours out of each week to remind ourselves and our children that our lives are not our own. These are the things that God sees, believe it or not. These are the things that Jesus pronounces to be significant and signposts to his kingdom. Everybody expects the work of God in the world to be huge signs, public, easy to spot, accompanied by fanfare, noticed by and participated in all, by all the important, powerful people, like the wealthy givers. But God moves in a different way. I'm reminded of the days when I was involved in advocating for local organic farming. There's an organization called Slow Food International. You may have heard of them. And one of their taglines at the time was, small is beautiful. Small is beautiful. Small is beautiful because according to the gospel, the beauty of God at work is less like a giant combine, no offense to combines, and more like a gentle gardener working away under the shade of the sun. Less like a tech mogul giving a TED talk and more like a broke widow with a couple of coins. Quiet, hidden from public sight, giving everything she has. Like Jesus, wandering Jew, pouring out God's love on a cross between two criminals. That's what God's love is like, and that's what God's work in the world is like. Which means, you know, you may not know, but you should know, that it means our lives too have that same eternal significance, even if we don't get retweeted like Kanye. You and your life that everybody else sees as a failure. The one you see as tiny, insignificant, and unimportant. It's not how well you've achieved, not how much you earn, or the checks you present at the temple door. It's how deeply your life echoes the self-giving love of Jesus Christ. The one who was rich, but for our sake became poor. The one who had nothing, but gave everything that we might have life in the full. 
Because all these acts of self-giving love, no matter who we are or where life finds us, the things that nobody else notices, the things that seem so unimportant in the grand scheme of things, Jesus says that these are the things that truly matter in God's sight. These are the people that truly matter in God's sight. Because these are the very things and people that Jesus sees and pays attention to. These are the things that God notices and the very things that God uses to build his kingdom, to reshape the world into the way that it's always intended to be, created to be, destined to be. And it's all done under the wire, out of sight, won't even show up on your Google search. So my prayer for each of you today is that may each of you see, no matter how well you've done, no matter how much you've failed, no matter how much you have, no matter how little you have, if you have nothing, may each of you know that your life matters. And that small acts of sacrifice Sacrificing our whole selves are the very thing that God uses to make all things new. May you see your life as a vessel for God's self-giving love. And may you give everything you've got. Like the widow who, out of her poverty, gave it all. Amen.